Aloha, and welcome to another Wild Broke episode. My guest is Adrian Fannis, a successful salon owner whose client list includes Academy Award winner Forrest Whitaker, Idris Elba, Chris Brown, John Legend, sports greats Grant Hill, and Nate Robinson, just to name a few. Adrian's work has also been featured on the silver screen, top television shows, and the most prominent fashion and lifestyle magazines. During our conversation, Adrian spoke about moving from his home country in St. Lucia to New York with only $250 to start his business. I want you to listen to how this very successful and resilient entrepreneur navigated his wild broke journey to now having a space where clients literally travel from all over the world to experience a haircut from Adrian and his team. Enjoy. I'm Adrian, Adrian Fannis. Um, originally from the Caribbean island of St. Lucia. How many of you guys have heard of St. Lucia? Hey. Okay, that's good, because yeah. there was a time when, when you mentioned St. Lucia, people would ask you, what part of Jamaica is that? Yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm from a small fishing village um, in St. Lucia, and um, at the age of 15 years old, I fell in love with barber and grooming. Um, a shop opened next to my home and came from school one day, I was about 14, and I saw a new barbershop being built. And um, I just came up with a, a, a plan as to how I would get this barber to uh, teach me or I want to learn from him. Because a few afternoons I would just sit in the window and just observe him cutting. And uh, what made me fall in love with the profession was the reaction of people. People would walk in and they would be down and um, just not enthusiastic and and the way they would leave beyond just being fresh, you know? It was just the, the, the energy. Yeah. It's like they were ready to take on the world. Yeah. You know, people would just be like just excited and just energetic and, and you know, it's like a brand new them. Yeah. And I wanted that energy. I wanted that power of transforming people and making them feel good about themselves. That what you do because uh, you're very modest um, in in, in terms of not really sharing, you know, the type of individuals that trust your hands and trust your expertise. So could you share with individuals some of the uh, folks that you have had the pleasure of, of cutting and grooming? Well, he comes to my salon. So. <laughs> well, besides me, I'm really getting to me. Um, but. <laughs> but um, you know, um, it's interesting, right? My philosophy is this: that um, everybody you meet is important. I've had the opportunity of working with um, Forrest Whitaker, um, Idris Elba, John Legend, Chris Brown, um, Grant Hill, the New York Knicks, the Chicago Bulls, the. Um, a lot of actors and actresses. Um, I still work with Forrest, who just is the godfather of Harlem. Um, um, I can't remember. But just a lot of different <laughs> actors, athletes, musicians, and um, yeah, the list goes on. Yeah. 
So um, I really like what you said about you know each individual that sits in your chair is is special, and that's that's something very unique, and it speaks to you know how you approach your craft and how you approach your your business. Um, as we get into this topic of Wild Broke, um, could you first of all uh, share how would you describe your your day or just you know operating your business just from a from a large perspective, like just overall, how would you describe just like just one day and what you do? Um, every day is unique unto itself, and um, a lot of what I do is is um, beyond the entrepreneurial aspect of it. Is is I love people, right? And it's very it's very emotional, right? You guys who sit in the hair salon or a barber shop, um, and just that relationship, because a lot of my business is about relationships and building and connecting with people. And it's, it's, it's also like therapy, you know? So um, you just never know who's coming in and what they're carrying. You know, and some people walk in and they're carrying the world on their shoulders. And um, some people come in and they're so inspiring that it, they share their story and it just allows me to live vicariously through their experience. But <clears throat> like you guys, I've created a space it's, it's my day is just creating spaces where people feel safe, mm-hmm. where people could be um, naked. Mm. And by naked, like I'm, I'm a photographer as well, right? And um, I shoot boudoir and um, different styles of photography. But one of the things with my clients when they come in and we should do it, say we're doing a new shoot, it's um, just telling them, okay, you need to get naked. And the first thing they take that as is taking off their clothes. I'm like, no. We're gonna get naked, but first getting rid of your insecurities. And um, what my job does, it allows people to get naked in terms of laying the insecurities and creating a space where not only they feel safe, but they could just be transparent. They could be heard and um, a space where they feel important. You know, and um, also in that space is gaining trust. And once you get that, then people open up and it allows the service to be easier. Yeah. You know, because a lot of times, yes, people come for the haircuts, but they're carrying so much else that they don't even know they're carrying. And just creating a space where people could just be human. Yeah. So, so yeah. a lot of that space is creating that. So you're also like folks therapists too. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of times, yeah. How is it being an entrepreneur and a business owner here city it's tough (laughs) (laughs) can you break it down a little bit like Um, how is that it's tough um first off you got to do your your homework and um the learning curve it's is 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 so tough so for me being a first generation um immigrant like i moved when i was 18 to the united states and i didn't have anybody to really teach me the ropes so a lot of the things I went through I had to learn from the from the bottom up like every step of the way so when I first got here um, actually the first shop that I worked at or I managed in my country right when I was 15 16 17 um, and when I first came out here I couldn't even get a cell phone you know because I didn't have a social security 
And this guy was like, um, the guy who owned the shop back in St. Lucia, he was living there and he was like, well, if you pay me $150, I could help you get a tax ID. So I did that, paid him. And afterwards I found out the tax ID was free. You, ju you just had to apply. Welcome so to it's New York. Welcome, to <laughs> <laughs> welcome to New York. But it's just every step of the way. It's, um, and a lot of the pitfalls and the lessons learned are just experiences you just add to your Rolodex of the do's and the, the, the don'ts. But building a business in New York is you need to do your research, you need to have a, a, a strong foundation, and you need to be resilient above all. You know, um, so you could have all your finances and your business plan in place, but if you're not resilient, this place is gonna um, eat you alive. Because um, I read something that says that an entrepreneur is somebody who sacrifices a nine to five to work 24 seven. And it's, it's real true. Yeah. So New York, it's really, it's not for the faint of heart. Yeah. And it's gonna test you. Yeah. It's gonna try you. And Uncle Sam wants his cut. <laughs> you know, as with everywhere right, else, right, but right. in New York, it's sales tax and I have a corporation and federal tax and state tax and it's just a lot, you know. So if you if you're not resilient and you just focus on just profit, then it's, it will be tough. Yeah. And speaking about being tough, I want to now transition and pivot into this topic that is tough for people to acknowledge. It's tough for people to navigate through. It's, the reason why we're having this conversation and, and before we talk about this idea of broke and what that means uh, I would like for you to first define what how do you define the word broke um to me um a broke it's a it's a mentality mm. broke has absolutely nothing to do with money I mean I got no money on me right now you know and um, uh, I'm gonna share a quick story, right? Please, please. Um, one day I had a client who, uh, he, uh, on my way when I lived in Brooklyn, and my shop is not too far off. So I was like, just scoop me up before we get there, about 6.30 in the morning or seven before, um, that's when he picked me up to go to the shop. His appointment was about seven. And um, <clears throat> he was telling me that anytime his um, account goes below $10,000, he panics, right? And I'm listening to him. And I'm like, wow, 10,000, huh? <laughs> you know? Right. He's, like, he's like, yeah. Um, and um, I said, let me show you something. And he said, what? I signed into my bank account. And I said, have a look at this. He said, what? I said, have a look. What was the number said? And he said, $7. I said, that's what's in my bank account right now. And he was like, but you're smiling. And I said, yes, because money don't define me. And he was like, you're crazy. <laughs> and I said, welcome to the life of entrepreneurship. Wow. You know, so broke is not about the amount of money you have, but your mentality. You know, because uh, the average person would, for example, see a watermelon and be like, okay, I could buy that watermelon and for $2 and resell it for four dollars mm -hmm. but entrepreneur is somebody who could be like okay I could buy that watermelon and make some lemon punch or whatever and resell that lemon punch for seven dollar a bottle and get ten bottles out of that one metal mel um, watermelon so it's, it's just about your mentality and how you look at it yeah so, so how did you 
get to that point of having that mentality because you speak about it so just like it's so easy and simple you, you have this one person to say to you like that's crazy like why are you still smiling how did you get to the point where he wasn't at with with him having that 10,000 being his benchmark and you didn't have that but you were still smiling how did you get there okay so when I was uh, about 17 and I said to my mom I didn't want to go to college to pursue like whatever she wanted me to pursue and my mom looked at me and she called me a failure right that's back in St. Lucia and I said no I want to this is what I want to do and at the time, being a barber is something that is not really considered a glamorous job. You know, people usually look at it as something you do in a spare time or in the meantime, or something you do to just get by, or, or just something you do part-time or temporary. It's usually for people who go to prison, or people who fail at school, or people who just have no options. You know, so my mom looked at that as her son, and her perception is, her son is a failure, and that was her reality, you know, and I just said, that's not my reality. So um, I worked at the shop and all my friends every day while I'm in the shop and having no clients and seeing them go by in their uniforms going to college. It was just really like, it took a mental toll because you're like, am I making a mistake here? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, but I saved enough money, $250. I asked my mom if she could pay my fare to come to New York. And um, I stayed with my sister, but I got here, um, when I left, it was April 1st, 2000. So I just felt like this, I hope I'm not being an April Fool's, you know? <laughs> um, I got here Sunday um, and uh, met with some friends and they took me to the beauty supply. I bought my clippers and when I was done, I had $25 left. Wow. So um, I started work the Monday at the shop. And that week, I made, um, I made, um, I said I came with 200, 250? Yeah. I came with 200, so I had 25 left. So that week, I made $250. Wow. So I looked at it as, it's $50 more than I came with. Mm. So everything until this point has been extra. Wow. So every dollar, whatever it is, I've just looked at it as, this is more than I came with. So that's just been instilled in me. That's just been my mindset. Mm -hmm. wow. You know, and just understanding that um, in the grand scheme of things that there's a, a, a term that they say in St. Lucia in the Caribbean, you've never seen a brain struck goes to somebody's funeral. So which means you never see the bank or Chase or HSBC Bank of America go to somebody's um, funeral and dump all the money in the grave. You can't take it with you. You know, and um, a lot of people work so hard their whole lives and there's nobody on that bank account and they die and there's nobody to claim that money. And then the government gets hold of that money and they might take some of that money to patch holes on 21st and Broadway, you know, right outside. So in retrospect, you worked your whole life to fix a piece of road. And I just didn't want that to be my story. So I'm just like, you know what, this is temporary anyway. Might as well just take the risk because this life, because you can't get out of life alive. You know, think about it. You, none of us is gonna get out of life. You know, it's all temporary. So why not take the risk? You know, why not take the risk? And uh, a friend shared a story with me that's really resonated with me. 
he said that um, there were three guys on a plane and the plane was about to crash and the lightning hit the plane. And um, in that moment, those guys had a vision and this man appeared to them and told them that this is gonna be, you guys are not gonna die, but this is gonna be your curse. And your curse is gonna be that you each are gonna know the exact day and time you're gonna die. And they each were given a date, some 10, 15, 20 years from that very moment. And for most people, they would just be, oh my God, I'm gonna die on this day. But these guys took that as, wow, if I got 10 years to live, which means I could jump out of this plane right now and still be alive. Yeah. And that's just been my mindset to just jump out. Wow, and just take the risk. Just take the risk. So that's, that's really powerful. And in addition to that, something else that you mentioned, which I wanna touch on, when you came here um, from St. Lucia, you, you mentioned staying with your sister. Yeah. Um, Talk to me about, or talk to us about, how you leverage your resources and connections as you were building this, what you have now. Um, so there was, when I was 17, there was a picture of Puff Daddy and Mace from one of the um, barbershop posters in the shop. And every day I would stare at that photo and be like, one day I'm gonna cut Puffy's hair. I'm gonna cut P. Diddy's Puff Daddy's hair. And, um, but when I was about five or seven years old, my first job was selling um, cupcakes at the um, cockfights, uh, the roosters. So in the Caribbean, they fight roosters. And um, so my mom had me going out there selling cupcakes. And you have grown men gambling and spending <laughs> tons of money. <laughs> no! And they're losing money. Uh, but you're going around with a tray shouting, cupcake, cupcake, <laughs> trying to get these men to buy a cupcake. Right. And for me, it was terrifying at first. But afterwards, it's just developing the gift of gab and building a relationship with these men. So it's like I'm seven years old, but here I am. My pairs are out there playing with their balls and dolls or whatever. But I'm here with their dads and grandfather convincing them to buy a cupcake at a cockfight. So for me, at an early age, I just understood relationships and just really building relationships and again, not overlooking anybody. Everybody you meet is important. And I just took that same mindset that when I came to America is that everybody's important and everybody knows somebody. And if I do a good job on him and he's friends with her, and that's her cousin right here, who has a brother right here, who has an uncle who could know somebody who could introduce me. But it's just treating everybody with respect and with, 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 with professionalism and just giving them a superior product and giving them your best. You know, it's, I think that, uh, you know, New York sometimes gets a, a bad rap as it relates to just very that, what you're talking about, it's like, People aren't very nice here. Yeah. <laughs> or don't treat each other with that level of respect. How did you, prior to coming here, did you hear that? Or how, where did that fall into your building relationships here in New York, given that that's floating around and like folks aren't really like that? Well, something interesting, I used to come to New York as a kid in the early, um, in the late 80s, early 90s. And I remember one time being on Flatbush, and I was a kid, like eight, nine years old, and stopping, stepping on this guy's foot in, at the, um, on the corner store, and he wanted to shoot me. He went to get a gun to shoot me. Wow. 
you know, and my cousins and all of them were like, you need to get the hell out of there. And I mean, that was a culture shock for me. Yeah. You know, so um, it was like, welcome to New York. You know, um, but taking experiences like that and understand again that people have their issues which has nothing to do with you. You know, and um, it's, it's, with this life, man, it's just about, you decide what you want to be and that's it. You know, so um, I just decided that I was not going to allow anything or any situation to change me. I would just be who I am. And even with my travels and stuff, sometimes I travel and um, with no itinerary, I just go to different countries, Cuba or whatnot. And um, the universal language, even if I don't speak Spanish or Mandarin or Portuguese, the universal language is energy. So even being in New York, a lot of times, Energy is universal, and people could pick up on your energy, your vibe, your vibrations. So a lot of times, people could tell whether they like you or not based upon the energy that you're radiating and your vibrations. And um, how many times has somebody come up to any one of you guys and just said hello, and you're a little, you stand back because you know that person is not just introducing themselves to be kind or be nice, but it's because they have an ulterior motive. They want something from you right um so being in new york it's just like when you're genuine people could pick up on that and it's the same thing for business people know if you're just trying to buy or just trying to sell something and if you're genuine then you don't have to worry about any of that because people are going to be able to tell even before a word is spoken and for me it's just being genuine and being honest so it's really so what i'm hearing you say essentially is like that rap in which New York gets. I mean, how many, first of all, how many have heard that or kind of, you know, about New York County? Okay, so I'm not just saying that it's not coming out of my, you know. Um, what you're saying is that essentially that which we may think, think is out there or experiencing really, really starts with us first in terms of what we choose and how we choose to show up in the world. Yeah, most definitely. You look at just different tragedies we've experienced in New York, 9-11 and just different things. And it really, it's unfortunate that it really brings out the humanity in people. Mm-hmm. But that humanity is always there. It's just about tapping into it. Yeah. You know, and again, it's just being transparent and honest with somebody like, I'm here without wanting something. You know, um, for me, like a lot of people with business or entrepreneurship, people always talk about marketing and marketing and then doing your market research and to get customers and get clientele and build a clientele. But for me, it's, it's, it's one of the things I've learned, and I saw my mother do that a lot growing up, it's how can I add value to you, right? So, what's your name, sir? Huh? Felipe, right? So if I meet Felipe, right, and I'm just looking at him of the onset, and I have a conversation with him, I might talk to him about his Air Force Ones, what he know about Air Force Ones, and we have a conversation, a a conversation just based upon humanity, just a a life. Not once would I ask him what he does for a living. We're just having a conversation. Two people in passing is like, ah, hit me up on Instagram, and here's my handle, or whatnot, whatnot. Felipe might go around and be like, yo, he's a cool guy. I might be like, yo, he's real cool. You know, yo, that sweater you're wearing, where'd you get it from? And we strike a conversation. So now, 
I'm just saying like, wow, he had those Air Force Ones. I might send him an article or some retro Air Force Ones that's coming out next week. And he in turn would be like, yo, how can I add value to him? Because I'm not asking him for anything. I'm how can I help him first? And with that attitude, that's as simple as it sounds. That's what's helped me build my clientele. I was just about to, you took, I was, you, I was just about to ask that question and you, you answered it. And I was going to say, did that play a role in how you have been able to build your clientele to the point where it is right now? People could see through the gimmicks and the scams and the game. But when you're honest with people and you're genuine, like there's a young lady who came a couple of weeks ago from Jamaica, I remember her, right, the model? And I just hit her up today, like, how you been? She said, okay. I said, how is that business plan coming along? And she responded and said, uh, I, I didn't finish it yet. I was like, okay, let me know when you do, because we spoke about that. And again, I'm not asking her for anything, but it's like, how can I be of value to her? And the way the universe works, right? The law of re re reciprocity, right? Usually when you do something for, for, for somebody, it never, the universe never repays you through that person. It's through a different medium, a different person. But the goal is to never expect repayment. If you do something, it neither comes from a pure place and a genuine place. And you do your part in the world. And Felipe could go around and touch another life that might just impact the whole world. You never know based upon your interaction with that person. So it's just about, go ahead. Empathy. Yeah. 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 Empathy is powerful and it, and it seems to have played a significant role in the work that you do. So barriers may present themselves to you um, in how you, however you may perceive them. How do you navigate those things that you may perceive as say barriers as you've been building your, your business? Interesting question. I love that question, right? Um, sometimes the things that you may think are your biggest downfalls or your biggest obstacles or shortcomings, they tend to be your biggest blessings, right? Mm. So I'm going to share a story with you guys, I'm right? About that. Um, yes. When I uh, first started out to say I wanted to uh, have my, my business in the States, right, in New York, I worked at one shop for two years. I left, I went to Levels. I worked for seven years. And um, I saved a significant amount of money, right, to have this business. I had a business plan, everything written. And then within the space of a year, I spent all the money. I bought a new truck. I just went shopping and trips and I went crazy, right? And then I was like, yo, what am I gonna do? But then I just put my head down and I worked my ass off, mm -hmm. day and night, seven days a week, and I saved all that money and then opened the business within a year. Mm -hmm. um, but recently, right, um, and I'm being honest with you guys, right, um, I've been in business for about 10 years, and um, in Clinton Hills, you came to the shop. I have. And you, I'm sharing information that you, you don't even know. Oh, right? I'm getting so, exclusive, y'all, thank you. <laughs> I was in there one day, a lady came from Maryland to get a haircut, and there's a knock at the door and I went to open and it's a police and another gentleman from the Department of Buildings. And they're like, can they come and inspect the premise? And I was like, you need to talk to the landlord for that. So the um, guy from the Department of Buildings said, well, we have a, a sermon, we have a report that you're running an illegal business. What? That was my response exactly. <laughs> right? 
I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm stapling the community. I sponsor you, soccer team. I give to my community. I pay my taxes. Been here for 10 years. And he was like, well, it's just come to our attention that you're renting a, a property in this property, but it's really zoned for residential and not commercial. So we're going to issue a vacate order and you have to leave immediately. Wow. Effective immediately, right? So the landlord had to come and go back and forth with the city and stuff. And could you imagine 10 years in the place and they just said, now nah, you just got to leave. Um, and it was just, That's it was frightening. Yeah. It was frightening. And, but you still got to perform. So you come and I still got to smile and engage with you and going back and forth with the city, different architectural plans and different sermons they're issuing and stuff. But ultimately, I had to leave. And that's why I, um, I'm in Bushwick right now. But sometimes, right, this is how the universe works. Once you ask the universe for something, right, the whole universe conspires to make that happen. So I totally, I said, the, my current space, I wanted a different space. I wanted the biggest space. I could do my photography. I could hold forums like that. and I could teach classes and I could have a bigger staff and perform more services and all that stuff. And um, once that happened, I just went into panic mode, forgetting what it is I asked for. And in retrospect, I asked for this. Wow. You know, um, so once you put that energy out there, you have no control as to how it's going to unfold or how it's going to happen. You know, and then um, we finally found the space that we wanted in Bushwick. It's and it's, beautiful. oh, it's, <laughs> again, the space is like almost two and a half times in terms of cost what I was paying at this previous space. And I went into panic mode. I can't afford this. That was my first reaction. And then I just had to settle and be like, wow, this is everything I asked for. And I'm, right now, I'm just like, wow, I'm blessed. And I'm excited for all the possibility it has. So in terms of barriers and stuff, you, you just gotta, you gotta accept the ups and the downs as, challenges, as challenging as it is. And it's, it's, it's interesting that we're here right now with Burke, because if you look at my bank account, you'll be like, man, I, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> but it's, it's about just being resilient and fearless and just know that you know what, it's only a failure if you make it permanent. So as long as you keep trying and you're giving your best, you never fail you. But you just gotta take that leap of faith and make it happen. That's, that's awesome. I mean, to take that type of mindset, right, that you talked about earlier, uh, when being presented with this challenge of basically saying, you got to, you got to bounce, like you gotta, you gotta leave this building. But seeing it as an opportunity to to embrace this next you know piece of your journey, which is what you already asked for, is a powerful thing because I think oftentimes we don't see those challenges in that way. We don't see when we're when we get a no from something that we've asked for. We you know are trying to apply for a business loan or trying to you know get that that one client that we were looking to get and we get a no from that. We look at that as like. Ah, oh, this is shut down. Like I, I gotta, gotta stop what I'm doing. But it's still challenging every step of the way. Yeah. Talking about business loans, I applied for a few business loans, mm -hmm. and some of the loans I was getting back, they wanted like 37 cents on the dollar return within a 13-month period, and um, I still wake up in cold sweats. Mm -hmm. 
if I were to be honest. So a lot of times people like come and talk about entrepreneurship like it's all smooth sailing. Like I'm still nervous. I'm still scared shitless, yeah. but I'm not gonna stop. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing, you just, you just have to keep on going. Yeah. You just have to keep on going and you can't give up. And some days you may feel so strong and the next minute you could have a total meltdown. But somebody said, um, are you gonna cry about it or are you gonna boss up? Yeah. And somebody responded and said, first off, I'm gonna do both. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, yeah. so it's it's just embracing it all, yeah. as challenging and as difficult as it is. But my takeaway for you guys from all of this is that if you want to do something or there's a goal you want to pursue or business or an idea, if that's been on your mind and in your heart to do, the universe has given that to you and just act upon it. You know, because done, one of the things, our biggest lessons I had to learn is done is better than perfect. You know, and we all wait for things to be perfect and everything to be perfectly aligned for us to move. But slow motion is better than no motion. And just get the balls rolling. And you just build that momentum as you go along and fine tune it as you go along and figure it out as you go along. And I'm still figuring it out every day. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and found it to be helpful, please share it with someone else. I appreciate your support. And until next time, keep pursuing your purpose and pay attention to the process. No more excuses. Peace and love.